Okay, hello everyone and welcome to this month's coffee chat. We're cheating a little bit. It's actually the second coffee chat of June, but the first one was four weeks ago. So every four weeks, I suppose we'll have a coffee chat in order to meet the schedule. Thank you for joining us. We have a great crowd of people on today and we're here to talk more about what happened during the Monero Confranco, Monero's very first conference. So of course, we have Brandon on because it's necessary for him to have him on. We have many other people who are part of the Monero community on. This is a very interactive session, so make sure to ask us questions. We'll be sure to answer those. But uh, let's start, of course, with introductions. So starting with me, my name is Justin. You did not really see me too much at the Confranco except for like, you know, two seconds of the live stream when I came on near the end. I was handling the live stream and everything in that regard, and I think it went really well. And uh, most of the talks, save for Christy and Howard's, have been uploaded. So take a take a look at those. They're available on the same channel. Um, but that's about me. Let's talk about Brandon. Can you introduce yourself to everyone? Because you are the sorry, <laughs> you are the man of the hour. Well, I was anyway. Um, hi everybody. I'm Brandon Goodell. Uh, I work under the pseudonym Saray Noether for Monero Research Lab, and along with the help of an enormous number of volunteers, I organized the conference this past weekend. Um, should I speak about my research too, or what I talked about, or is this just introductions? Yeah, this I think is just we'll, we'll have a separate section to talk about research, but you can give a high, high level thing here too. If you'd like. Yeah, cool. Um, well, anyway, we'll we'll talk about research later, I guess. Uh, I just wanted to introduce myself. I work for MRL, and uh, I was moderating several of the panels uh, or the uh, speakers um, over the conference. So you'll probably see me in and out uh, in those live streams. Very cool. And we have a decent crowd already starting to chime in. Selling us all good morning. Make sure you ask questions too if you're watching. All right, uh, Serang, can you introduce yourself, please? Unmuted. You are muted. Not anymore, I'm not. All right, hello, I am Serang Noether. Um, I'm also a researcher uh, doing work under the MRL umbrella. Um, I too was over at the conference, and uh, you said my talk is already up, so cool. I talked a bit about transaction efficiency and how it's changed over time and how it might change going forward. And I also uh, was the moderator of a transcontinental panel on governance and uh, regulation and things like that between panelists on our side in Denver at the Confranco and also from Zcon One in Croatia, which I was really impressed with. I think it went super well. Excellent. That crashing sound was not me. I'm sorry, what was that? That crashing sound is not me, I promise. <laughs> Look, the crashing sound is Monero. Going farther and <laughs> farther. <laughs> yes, everyone should be talking, so I'll mute my All right. Since you spoke up next, Diego, can you introduce yourself to everyone, please? Hi, everybody. My name is Diego. You guys know me as Rarar. Yeah, that was nice and quick. What did you do at the conference when you were there? I sold Cypher Market merchandise, which you can buy at cyphermarket.com. We're working on the jingle. Um, I sold Cypher Market merchandise and identified a whole bunch of ways that Monero sucks. And so I'm now going to try to make some things that make Monero not suck so much. Thank you so much for doing that post-mortem rundown, by the way. It was very helpful. Sure. Yeah, to, yeah, to give a bit of background, Diego made a sort of, this is what happened when I was at the conference and how it went and how awesome it was. And here's are the parts that sucked about being a merchant receiving Monero payments in the transaction. <laughs> so it was pretty funny. Um, I'm yeah. sure we can... No, go ahead, Diego. No, 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 no. 
Okay, yeah. So um, do you want to talk really briefly before we continue with introductions about what you found to be the biggest challenges of accepting Monero payments as a merchant? You know, some of them are, are things that can't be changed and some of them are things that can. Like the things that can't be changed is, um, you know, well, I guess it can be changed because it's not on the protocol level, but, you know, waiting for a certain number of confirmations before some Monero unlocks. So, um, or waiting for a certain number of confirmations before you allow the person to walk away. Um, I mean, obviously, I don't think anyone's going to pull any kind of crazy attacks for a T-shirt. But um, <clears throat> I can imagine that if you go to a store that sells higher end watches, you know, somebody buys a really expensive watch or any kind of a collector's item, uh, you may want to wait for one or two confirmations. And luckily with Monero, the confirmation time is uh, two minutes. So it's not exceedingly long. You know, <laughs> sometimes with Bitcoin, it's like 10 minutes. And then if you get particularly unlucky with a block, you know, with Monero, you, you may not find something for eight minutes or for Bitcoin, you may not find something for an hour. So you're just looking at your customer who's looking, he's kind of tapping his foot and uh, he's like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you're like, no, no, just, just hold on. It should be soon. It should be any time now. This is not acceptable um in a fast-paced retail environment to kind of put somebody in timeout with all like go stand in the corner with all those other people that are waiting on the block as well and <laughs> you guys can all leave as a group once it's found um <clears throat> so that you know some protocol level stuff is annoying um uh, what's also annoying is that there's no sort of good point of sale application for accepting monero that is kind of all-inclusive and lets you manage inventory and put it on somebody else's phone safely um, because I don't want to, you know, I said in the post that what I did is with my wife there, I put the seed on her Monero as well. So like she has spending rights for as to, so she cannot just create generate QR codes, but she has spending rights for it. And I trust her, but like, I don't necessarily trust any employees that I would, um, hire to, to sit at the table and, and sell merchandise. I just want them to be able to accept Monero um <clears throat> generate qr codes without being able to spend or even view how much monero is in the wallet so a view key is also not good here because then they'd be able to view how much is in there and that's not information that i care to share um with some employees so um there's a few more like that you can go look at a post on the <laughs> the reddit um which i really need to put my own little blog thing so i could put those there so i could post myself and syndicate elsewhere. But um, <clears throat> yeah, go check it out. I kind of go into depth. It's kind of a long post. And uh, I put some TLDRs for those people that uh, generally prefer those. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Diego. Was, I'm glad that you were there to you know, offer really cool Monero merchandise. And of course, to make a rundown at the end describing your experience. It's really useful for us. Really useful for us. Um, OK, so we have a. Uh, since it's Isthmus is having a few issues here, let's uh, go to the Charlton. The Charl Charlton, can you uh, first of all pronounce your name correctly and then introduce yourself and what you spoke about at the Confranco? So it's pronounced the Charlton. Um, I basically presented the work I did over the past one and a half years, which is making sure that the Monero CLI releases um can be rolled up much faster and in a much more secure manner and as of yesterday i started doing the same work for the GUI now but that turned out to be a completely different piece 
Very cool. Thank you for introducing uh, yourself there. Need Money 90, can you introduce yourself, please? Yeah, hey. Um, I'm Need Money 90. Um, I spoke about moderating Monero at the Conferenza. Um, I don't have a video right now because it's really early in the morning and I am not fit to be on video. So you'll have to do it with just a voice stream for the moment. You got all your video uh, recording out of the way last weekend. You're, you're done yeah. for the next few months? Yeah, that's uh, well, not next few months. Just next coffee chat will be fine. I just need to document on the video just so everyone can see. So I have something to point to. Um, need Money 90 is a scammer. He stole two of my shirts. Yeah, I, he promised I, stole, payment. I stole his stuff. <laughs> and it's it, an it never, it never it's happens. an exit scam. I told you it was an exit scam. I, I, I've sued him twice, and um, both times the courts ruled in his favor just because he has oh better God, lawyers okay, than me. I'll deal with it today. I'm sorry. <laughs> Okay, who's next? All right, so we still have um, Isthmus seems to be trying to join us. Isthmus, whenever you get your AV working, just interrupt me and or anyone else at any point. We'll get you on. Um, so I want to, first of all, open it up for you know feedback in the live chat here. What were people's favorite talks from the Conferenco? And, you know, I, I'm playing a dangerous game here because I know several people gave talks, but in my opinion, oh, Isthmus? Can I hear you now? I can see you, Ismus. Do I exist yet? You exist. Yeah. Would you like to get perfect timing? Would you like to introduce yourself? I you muted yourself. <laughs> Hello. Can you hear me now? There you go. There you go. Yes. Okay. Uh, yes, I'm it's, uh, Mitchell is my, I guess, real world name. Uh, I do kind of statistics under the MRL umbrella. Um, this isn't my bedroom. I'm at Insight uh, today. We're running a distributed Saturdays event out in San Francisco. Um, yeah, I had a great time at Conferenzo. I actually am like rolling straight into that. We've got a September cohort of my free like blockchain engineering fellowship coming up. So I went, flew right back in, went uh, right back to getting ready for that. Um, so if anyone's interested, I don't have a jingle, but insightconsensus.com. Um, you can learn kind of what's up here. But yeah, thanks for having the coffee chat. Great to see you all again. It's been a couple of days. Yeah, I will say, Ismus, you know, on a personal level, I thought your specific talk was phenomenal. I thought that you took the ideas that we had in Breaking Monero and took them to the ideas that we had in Breaking Monero really, really awesome. Can you speak a little bit about what you gave in your talk and hopefully people will be inspired to watch it? You're providing a lot of echo, Isthmus, so when you're not talking, if you could mute your thing. Okay. Yeah, we'll do that. First of all, thanks, SGP. Really appreciate it. The kind of bulk of my talk was looking at ways that transactions uh, can kind of stick out on the blockchain if they have some kind of unusual feature. Uh, so the three that I looked into were uh, people that put very strange fees on transactions. Normally, if you're using the core software, it's just fee level one, two, three, four. Uh, but then there's lots of odd variations that custom software is using, which kind of fingerprints the software. Um, and then I looked at people that are spending outputs faster than 10 blocks. So 
the 10 block lock time that Diego mentioned is actually not enforced in the protocol. It's like a soft rule in the in the wallet. And so like 1.6% of transactions stick out because they spend, uh, they have ring members that are younger than the block time or the block lock age. And then for the last one I looked into when you have really inc um, unusual decoy selection algorithms that don't blend in with the rest of the blockchain um, and kind of ways that we can quantify that. Uh, and I think it was really cool. I was, I was like kind of honored to speak in a breaking Monero session. I think I gave kind of like an intuitive explanation and visualizations for some things. Uh, then Brandon, Brandon's talk basically added a mathematical framework around that. Um, and then Arctic did this awesome talk about block size. I was saying we either we either did the breaking Monero uh, title justice or maybe we made it a little too broken. Not sure, <laughs> but it was it was a great it was a great session. I'm glad that was in the conference. So. Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, I don't think you took it too far. I think it was awesome. Speaking of which, uh, Brandon, are you if you're still here, can you give a rundown? Uh, he's not here, actually. So Brandon will be back hopefully soon. But um, he gave another excellent talk on breaking Monero and how Monero is sort of, a, in his opinion, a one out of 10 in terms of the privacy it offers and everything else is a zero out of 10. Um, and there's a ton of room for improvement going forward. So in my opinion, that's another fantastic talk uh, to go watch. watch. Can I actually jump in on that? Sure, sure. So he happened to comment to me the next day that he uh, wanted it phrased like slightly differently than how he said it in the talk. So I'll just kind of take this opportunity to uh, throw that addendum on there. He was saying that the uh, non-privacy based coins, and this is like kind of relaying a conversation that the two of us had, uh, non-privacy coins are at a zero out of, out of 10 uh, in terms of being very traceable. Uh, coins like Monero, Zcash, um, there's a bunch all are kind of at like this one out of 10 if you use them out of the box, uh, where they offer some protection, some plausible deniability, uh, but Monero, Zcash, Rio, we're all like susceptible to, to analysis. And then uh, that if users are very savvy and are maybe like churning, um, using network layer protection, et cetera, you can maybe get up to a two out of 10. Um, so those are just kind of sharing his words. No, very cool. Um, yeah, absolutely. So Isthmus, what are you working on next? Because I know you, uh, because I know you're working on some cool stuff at the moment too. Oh, there's so much on the chopping block. So Neptune did a big data extraction on transaction extra field, which is just uh, full of treasures. So we're going to be working together on kind of analyzing that in the next couple of days. Um, Another thing that we're interested in looking into that very much kind of fits into the spirit of the talk is the way that Coinbase outputs are spent or not spent or overspent. Um, and this is actually, you. Uh, Justin wrote an amazing article kind of detailing a lot of the issues with uh, the way these get mixed into the anonymity. The way that the uh, Coinbase outputs appear to get mixed into the anonymity pool by the decoy selection algorithm isn't very representative of the way that they're actually mixed in in practice. And anytime your decoy doesn't match your reality, that's when you start to leak information. Uh, so we're looking at ways to kind of improve best practices uh, for pools and whatnot. Um, also working on getting some kind of public facing tools. So uh, Neptune dumped all of the like LMD, LMDB blockchain data into a SQL database. So now we can do relational queries. Uh, so making that public facing. 
probably spicing up a blockchain explorer in a way that will help non-technical users check whether their transactions uh, are safe. So during my talk, I, I, I made a comment of, oh, well, if you want to know if your wallet provider or your exchange or whatever is doing these correctly, just go to the blockchain and look at your transaction. And I kind of realized after I said that, that that's much easier said than done. You know, not everyone knows how to go through and check decoy ages and uh, check ring member distribution and all of that. Uh, so since I have these things quantified, not only that, but not only that, transaction ID by searching like a block right. explorer immediately after you make a transaction, you're broadcasting your IP, right? And so there's there's safe ways to check your block explorer to make sure that everything has gone okay, and there's unsafe ways, and it's tricky. Sorry to interrupt, Mitchell. Yeah, no, that's a great point. It was something I meant to say during my talk that uh, you shouldn't just go punch it in, and I totally forgot that. Um, and actually, because of that, our blockchain explorer will probably only be accessible through uh, VPN or Tor, free ones, so anyone can get in. Because I do not want to be responsible for people coming to my blockchain explorer and then dumping in all their transactions and like my server recording that metadata. So we're not going to have uh, clear web access. I don't want that liability. That sounds totally awesome. Um, I'm super looking forward to that. Um, I linked the original post I made on Coinbase Outputs in the chat there. Um, sort of a crazy idea, hand wave, what could you do type deal. Um, but I, I'm happy that they are looking much more in depth at what you can actually do and what the impact of those decisions could be rather than speaking at a really, really high level like I did in that, in that conversation there. All right, um, let's, let's move oh, over right. to... Yeah, let's move over to some MRL discussions because I know that a lot of things have been happening and, and we haven't had a Monero Research Lab meeting in a, a few weeks because we've all been busy with traveling and the Confranco and a ton of other things. That's uh, totally understandable. So, Sarang, um, can you give us like a quick rundown and what's really been up with the Monero Research Lab? What have you been working on and what can we expect over the next few months? Yeah, it's kind of an office space. Uh, what exactly is it you say you do here kind of thing, <laughs> which is always a good question to ask. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Um, so I, I, too, am very, very interested in um, some of the data analysis work that uh, Mitchell and Neptune and some of those folks are doing. Um, being able to actually have like really good you know, archiving of information and easily accessible data, that's going to be great. I think that's something that we've kind of been lacking for a while. So I look forward to that. Um, from uh, my perspective, at least, one thing we've been working a lot on is signature schemes and kind of improvements and efficiencies to those. So um, we've had a lot of things that involve the letters LSAG floating around. Um, one of them was the dual output signature scheme, DLSAG. Um, that was presented formally at Conferenzo, and the preprint is already out for that. Still working on trying to figure out ways to kind of fix up some of the key image stuff there, which is kind of a big sticking point for that. You might remember that that was a signature scheme that kind of changes our output format and could open the door to things like payment channels and certain kinds of atomic swaps and non-interactive refunds. Completely separately from that, um, the other kind of drop-in signature scheme that we've been working on, which was CLSAG, C for compact or compressed or whatever you want to call it, we're terrible with naming. Um, that was kind of the drop-in replacement to our existing MLSAG signature scheme that we use for our standard ring signatures. And you might remember, and if you don't, you can always uh, look at my talk where I go and talk about that, it would basically shrink the signature size by half 
Um, it would also improve the signature verification time by about 15 or 20%. So we have a paper out for that. We have prototyping code. We have timing code. Um, Monero Moo has worked that into, um, I don't think it's a pull request yet, but he's got a branch where that's working pretty well. Figured out multi-sig with it. So a whole lot of other stuff that's been going into that. Really where we're sitting right now um, is looking for auditors. So working with Ostiff, which is a nonprofit that we've worked with in the past for the MX audit and the Bulletproofs audit that helps us kind of coordinate um, and handle some of the, the payouts to the auditors. So we're looking for auditors to look at both the math, because that's new in-house math, and also the implementation. So in an ideal world, that would all be ready to go in time for the freeze for the October fork or whenever we end up doing it for the fall. Um, I think at this point, we're probably kind of really, really kind of skirting the line on if we'd be able to do that. So it's probably more likely that we would get audits that would be done in time to get everything worked up for um, you know, probably spring if everything goes pretty well. So shucks. But you know, it'll, it'll go in place eventually, I think, provided that everything goes pretty well with the audits. It's a really good improvement. It's better on space. It's better on time. Those are kind of the two big factors. And we have formal security proofs for it, which is always a good thing. Um, separately from that, there may be a few other miscellaneous improvements to the existing signature scheme verification. Um, those wouldn't be consensus related, so they wouldn't have to wait for a network upgrade or a fork. That could just go out in a client upgrade, but um, there's a good chance we could shave probably maybe 4 to 5% off the verification time of all existing ring signatures, so that could improve sync time going forward. So working on little things like that just to make the experience a bit better. So um, there's been talk about you know, whether or not we could increase the ring size. I mean, we can always increase the ring size. It's just like a dial that we can play with. Um, but that, of course, impacts verification time, generation time, and also overall blockchain space. So we'd have to you know, have really good discussions about whether or not we think that kind of the marginal increase in ring size that we could effectively do with these improvements you know, is going to be you know, good enough for our users you know, relative to you know, these other trade-offs. Obviously, like, bigger in general is better for ring size, um, but you have to pay a price for it. So yeah, those are kind of the, the big things that we're just trying to kind of get out the door and get ready and, and deployed when they're ready. Sweet. Um, Brandon, is there anything that you would like to add to that? Well, Strength hit most of the main points. Um, he's been taking really great point on uh, the audit co code audits. Um, I've been personally working on trying to figure out what ring size is sufficient in, in like the most abstract cases. And my talk at the conference was sort of about what happens if you have very small ring sizes um, and what you can do for something like Zcash at Shielded Pool or Monero uh, under various circumstances. Like, for example, if the Shielded Pool is much less popular than the Transparent Pool, is there a trade-off between a small ring size and the existence of a Shielded Pool if the vast majority of transactions are transparent? Stuff like that. Um, and basically, <laughs> I've spent the past week after the conference, like elbow deep in my own code that was from about six months ago or five months ago that uh, needed a lot of fixing. And so it's a lot better than it was, but it's not done yet. And it's really funny because the human brain can keep these really huge projects inside of it um, by chunking them down and be like, oh, there's this piece over here and there's this piece over here and this piece over here. So it's only three pieces, right? And then you zoom in and then there's another chunking of three or four pieces and it's like this rabbit hole and um 
I didn't really realize how big this project had gotten until after the conference, though, and I was able to sleep for a couple of days and then look at my code base. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure Serang hit most of uh, the big happenings at MRL. My stuff at this point is just kind of boring simulation stuff. I find it interesting, but a lot of people aren't super interested in simulations. Yeah, I don't know if everyone would be super interested in the simulations themselves, but I think that what you're doing with the simulations is something most people have interest in in the community. Just because at a core level, people want to know about ring size and churning, and they want to have good answers here. So it's really important from that perspective. Yeah, I mean, for what it's worth, I don't think that many people are interested in like signature scheme security proofs either. I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, it's true. You got to do it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Not necessarily um, pretty, but it's important. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, I uh, thank you guys for making me feel better about my simulations. <laughs> this is why nobody likes the MRL. We just go into the room, and you guys are like, "Oh, math, math, and all this like cryptography," and we're like, "We just want to talk works. about how how Monero <laughs> is just going to go to the moon and how it's going to get super big." And like, your guys' responsibility is just to get us there. Like, we don't care how yeah. it happens, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, and so like this project began by sort of uh, quantifying churn, right? And Justin brought this up a long, long time ago that uh, um, if you send transactions to yourself, right? Uh, actually, many people have brought this up, not just Justin, but if you send transactions to yourself in Monero, you sort of like gain this extra anonymity. Uh, well, actually, let me rephrase that. <laughs> you don't gain extra anonymity. You gain anonymity that one would hope one would have. Um, but the question is, how many times should you churn, and whether or not you're actually leaving a statistical signal when you're churning? And um, some of Ismus's uh, research and his his uh, presentation at the conference showed pretty clearly that if you have sloppy churn practices, it's just as obvious. It's actually more obvious than if you were just using Monero vanilla off the shelf. So the goal here is to try to figure out what best practices we should be recommending for wallet developers and such. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to bring uh, the Charlton back in because I would like to hear some of your thoughts. You worked a lot on you know, Monero reproducible builds and you spoke about that at the conference. What are some of the other major pain points that you have seen with Monero that you really hope will be improved, even if you aren't necessarily the person you envision working on those? So um, another great talk that was given at the conference was the one by um, Paul Shapiro, where he basically let through um, all the refactoring pain points in the CLI code base at the moment. And during my quest towards reputable builds, I probably ran into most of them at some point in time. So there is a lot of craft um, in the code base that we should really get rid of. But it will take a lot of time and a lot of effort and probably a lot of sleepless nights for a bunch of people to actually get there. And I mean, in, in, in general, we, or at least that's how I saw it about um, starting about two years ago with actual Monero development to now is that we often had problems with um, doing a new release on time. And I really hope that the work I did now 
um, at least contributes or is at least a contributing factor into getting out new code as quickly as possible to um, our users. Yeah, absolutely. To be clear, like one of the major main points of Monero releases are, are waiting for the code to be built, shipped out, just because it's a long process for really one or two individuals to do. So the fact that many people can check the work against each other really helps with the release schedule, but also helps from a trust perspective. So we have to trust the person who builds releases a lot less if other people can independently verify what they've done. So it's obviously really huge uh, for Monero's, not only just you know expeditious releases, but also for the security of the binaries people are running for them to have these um, implemented. So we're, we're all really, really grateful that you did the work um, with, you know, in order to make sure that Monero is at the place where it is now, where several people can verify this. I think that it's super, super important. And even though most people aren't going to build from source, it's just the way life works, I think that uh, that we will certainly be better off as a result. And my, my hope is that we can translate that to quick releases for people as you described. There's something that yeah. the charlatan said that I, I want to touch on just to get his opinion and I guess everybody else's opinion. You know, kind of it's always offhand comments where the Monero code is really difficult to work with, where like it should be rewritten at some point, where we should abandon what we have and, and start from scratch and do something that's much more maintainable. Like there, it, it, you, you, you hear whispers and gossip about how people are just really frustrated and the, the code base is really annoying to work with just because it's been so spaghettied over long periods of time. What was inherited from Bitcoin wasn't exactly stellar. You know, there's all sorts of reasons like how 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 big of a priority or how much engagement do you think that we would get if we were to actually do this? And, you know, like what, what are the huge benefits? And but obviously, like you said, you know, this would be just a massive, massive undertaking. Um, but like, should we start looking at this as one of our next steps? Should we start looking at this as something to start poking at, you know, with some of the, if there's any volunteers that are currently working on Monero as is to, okay, what would it look like to just kind of do this from, from scratch and uh, do it good? There's also endogenics talk from the conference. So he was talking about how code yeah, bloat right. and, and, you know, it can become an attack vector, right? And so like the joke that we've been, passing around since the conferenzo is that some of the developers are, uh, you know, multiple people working for the NSA with the intention of grinding our project slowly to a halt by producing content way faster than anybody can possibly simplify it down to something that's reasonable. Um, so it's it's not just like something that we need to think about. Maybe we should like throw people at this. It's it like he was mentioning in this talk. Uh, it's It's also a matter of like from the ground up, all of the new development needs to be starting with this simplicity forward sort of approach. Um, but as the charlatan will tell you, it's very difficult to refactor code bases. And so there's the um, the intellectual need for it. And then there's the practical, the practical whether or not it's actually gonna be worth the time. And of course, right now it's worth the time in six months or a year or two years, uh, the code is gonna be really hard to deal with if we don't start tackling the problem now, in my opinion. Right, and that's kind of my point is that just as yeah. time goes on, as time goes on, it's just going to get uh, 
the, the this already monumental task is just going to get even harder and harder and harder until such point where we're just kind of i don't think this that this can ever be done right it, so i don't know to me it's just it, it's kind of the unfortunate thing about Monero is everything is priority. It's like, okay, what, what is the ring size that is necessary? This is priority, right? We got to look through this. What is churn, defining good churn practices? This is priority. We got to be able to tell these people this stuff. Like everything is priority. And we just, we, we are so short on hands. And um, <clears throat> so if you, yes, you are watching this right now, get involved. Be, look, so report to your local Monero officer and he'll plug you in um, into our community gardens. So, yeah. Like that. <laughs> So, now. To answer Diego's question, though, I don't think that a full rewrite is a good idea. Um, projects do kind of benefit on having this one code base where everybody agrees on that um, it should be iterated on and, con and continuously worked on. So having multiple code bases, um, keeping them up to date to each other, um, sounds kind of nightmarish to me. So there are a couple of projects, um, I guess, in the greater cryptocurrency space that are trying to do this. So in Bitcoin, I'm especially thinking of um, BTCD, which is a Go reimplement or a full Go reimplementation of Bitcoin, and then the Go Ethereum and Parity Ethereum Ethereum clients, and both projects do work to some extent, but obviously they have some problems. So in BTCD, for example, there are certain features that um, are just not available in Bitcoin Core, and vice versa. So it's just really, really hard getting um, a bug by bug reimplementation of at least the functionality of the client that you are trying to replace. So doing, doing a replacement is, at least in my opinion, a bad idea. What we should rather be doing is probably just iterate on the problems that we have. So as long as we have a clear list of things that we want to improve and have, let's say, some high-level tracking of how these issues are faring and coming along, this sounds like a good approach to tackle it. And then in general, we should take care that the contributions that roll in are at least somewhat of an acceptable quality. So for example, um, Sarang's Amelzac speedup pull request that he posted, I think, yesterday, um, that's a good pull request. So it, it has tests. It updated the test cases to reflect um, the AmbleSag improvements, and she added some really good commentary to, to it. So that's kind of a no-brainer to merge. And then on the other hand, you have pull requests from quite new users. You obviously don't want to dis discourage them by writing, I don't know, 20 review comments or something. So somehow we got to find a balance between that as well. I thought you were about to call out Serang there for a second. Like, for example, Serang's full request, total garbage. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you throw like 18 pull requests at the wall and only one sticks, that's still one pull request sticking to the wall. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Serang, I haven't had a chance to review your pull request yet. And I 
I'm making fun of it in public, and that's not cool. And I apologize. I mean, it could be garbage. I don't know. You know, I hope it's not. But we'll find. Review out. it and tell me. <laughs> no, I'm. I'm sure it'll be great. Yeah, I think to the wider point, though, I think that in terms of you know code priority, that as Diego was speaking to, there's there's so many things to worry about, and also we need to make sure that the code is flexible and able to be built upon. I I think that it's important that as a Monero community, we help build, I, I don't want to say centralization, right? But I, I think it's good to have some sort of structure so we have better communication, better collaboration in order to help absolve many of these pain points. And at the moment, I plan to give a talk at DEF CON precisely on how I feel that we can do better in, in releasing you know, Monero releases and also doing Monero development so that it's better focused. Um, because I think that there are ways that we can improve as a community because we have a lot of people that are interested in helping. And Diego's right, there's still there still is a shortage of people who are you know able to help and willing to help. And we still are looking out for as many people as possible. But I think it's also important that those who do help out don't have their um, have their contributions sort of held up or you know, having to be redone in a while or whatever else. If we can just focus them a little bit better, we can be smarter on how people are helping. And so that is, at the moment, what I anticipate talking about at DEF CON for 30 minutes. So something you can look into if you, if you are interested. Um, all right, is anyone else here planning to go to DEF CON? I know that that's, you know, you're still quite a bit away, but um, I know it's perhaps the next big Monero meetup in a way from, from people all across the globe. Um, who else is planning to go out of there? I'll be there. Sweet. Di Diego, you going? Uh, yeah, the village would fall apart if I did. If I wasn't, <laughs> no, some, somebody would make it happen. No, um, yeah, I, I'm going. I'm looking forward to spending time with all. The, last year's DefCon was a blast. It's it's great to um, see all the faces and meet all the people. And I mean, just one thing that people don't really think about: it's so good for morale. You know, when you sit behind the screen all the time, I guess some people prefer that, but it can get a little lonely and sad. But then when you get to all these people and like, oh, yeah, you know, the community is one of the reasons I do this. And it's a lot of fun. And I like these people. And it's great. You know, you come back home and you're a little bit more energized. So that's what it was to me last year. Um, so I wouldn't miss that for the world. I may be coming to DEF CON. I'm almost certainly going to C3 in Germany this year, though, because I went to DEF CON last year. I think I'm about 90% to DEF CON, but I may have to persuade my wife on that. Well, of course, we hope to have you there. Um, we hope to have everyone there. But I, I think that um, the Con Franco seems to be actually a huge event of the year. DEF CON will be huge for a different way but a bit from a, a more marketing perspective, because most of the talks will be directed at a traditional DEF CON audience and helping them get aware of Monero, having materials, having games, having ways that they can get involved initially in the Monero community. Meanwhile, Monero, at the Monero Conferenco, we actually had people talking about OmniRing and Melantis and all the like, and it, it was sort of a completely different type of talks that we'd see. So if you're in the chat here, um, let us know some of the things you would like to see out of DEF CON. You've seen the Monero conference. Uh, you've hopefully seen many of the talks that came in because 
all except two are posted individually and all of them are uploaded in the live streams. So let us know sort of what you want to see about like going forward in the Monero community. What can we do to make things better? What, what did you really like? What did you not see that you wish you saw? And what did you see that you didn't like at all? <laughs> we, we certainly want to know those sort of things. Um, so yeah, certainly let us know. And um, let's- Speaking let's, of that, so, I wanted to thank you, SGP, really quick before you move on, because you did a fantastic job on AV for the Conferenzo and getting all the videos posted, except for those two, um, it was an enormous amount of work on its own. And I just want, I mean, like if I could have the entire audience applaud for SGP, like he has been a badass. Thank you. Thank for you. me, it was really Thank important you. that those who couldn't come could see a really quality live stream and that that would be well-documented somewhere. So um, yeah, it's, I, I felt it was really important, um, especially within, within the Monero community. <laughs> So we have about 15 minutes left. I have one last topic I want to talk about. But before we get there, is there anything else that we want to wrap up with for the Confrenco or anything with the 0.14.1 release? I think it's worth mentioning one last time that pruning is now enabled for 0.14.1. So if you are using Monero and want to run a full node, but previously thought it was too much, it's now easier on you. So take another shot. It would be really cool. Um, but... Uh, yeah, is, is there anything else last that people want to talk about during the coffee chat here before I move on to one last final community topic? So one thing I'd like to see during the next Combranco would be um, the different work groups um, having workshops with each other. So for example, during the probably D2 biggest Bitcoin core developer conferences. They have a few days beforehand where they just sit together, um, talk about improving proposals, pull requests, how to improve the entire process. And that seemed to have lacked a bit during the conference. So, so I, I'd like to see something similar to that um, in the iteration next year. No, I think that's a really good point. So you mentioned base, so sort of workshop discussions about relevant groups of topics. Is, is that an accurate representation? Yeah. Yeah, next year for organization, I really want to have each work group have sort of like, I don't want to say a committee, but I want each work group to be able to um, present. We had a couple of people from Monero Hardware come speak, and that was fantastic. Um, but uh, honestly, I would really like uh, in the future to see the conference would be like one piece of each work group and then have speakers from each work group come speak. I think that would be fantastic. Thank you for that recommendation. Oh, and one last shout out. The Monero Outreach team has really helped you know, Brandon and me do a lot with the promotional materials and in terms of you know, getting all the bios up, getting all the videos posted. They've done a ton of work in the background and they need a lot of help. And if you are interested in jumping in to help with the Monero project, the outreach work group, I feel, is a really, really great way to help because they're connected to so many different areas of the Monero ecosystem. Because you everyone be needs programmer. help with outreach. You don't need yeah, to be a programmer fact, in order to help the community. 
And, I mean, outreach just lets yeah, all the people you who don't know how to code. Sorry, this time delay. Uh, it lets all the people who don't know how to code actually help out. So that would be the artists, the speakers, uh, the people who are doing write-ups on Medium or posts that are talking about stuff. I, I would consider the MRL partially outreach, at least with their publications. So yeah, outreach is a great place. And honestly, the Monero outreach team did <laughs> like all of the media for the conference. So all the posters you guys saw, all the, I mean, Diego helped uh, create the t-shirts, but it was designed by Thunderosa. And in addition to that, like the Monero is uh, produced an enormous amount of content and the charlatan asked the Monero this morning to make a poster for a meetup in Zurich. And it was like done instantly. It's just people are super motivated to work on Monero, even if it's just for media outreach. And it's, I shouldn't even say just for media outreach, because media outreach is a pretty important thing. Uh, people are super eager, and it's great to see. Excellent. Any final points before I ask uh, Need Money to talk about the talk that he gave about, uh, you know, moderating the Monero subreddits and other areas of the Monero ecosystem? Seeing none, I'm going to move into that topic. But I think that the conference went really well. I'm glad we were able to debrief on it. You know, the weekend after, I'm already missing seeing you all in person like we did a week ago. So we'll have a great opportunity again in August to see each other, and I hope that that goes really well too. If you are interested in the DefCon workgroup, there is a meeting immediately after this, um, after this coffee chat in Monero Dash community. If you are interested in helping. All right, so need money. Take it away. What was your talk about at the conference ago, and uh, why did you feel that you needed to talk about that? I mean, our, our community is decentralized. You, you don't often see that in the real world. We're kind of exploring something that's uh, pretty new. <coughs> and uh, I mean, moderating a community like that is it's it's been a challenge and a learning experience and I, I really wanted to uh, actually summarize by what I've gone through and uh, issues that I faced and just some basic history for people who want to go and look back and see uh, I mean the work that I've already done and the work that everybody else has already done and learning how to moderate this kind of a thing No, I thought that was really interesting. Uh, so Need Money gave a great talk. You can see it again in the same channel that you're currently watching this video on, um, hopefully unless someone stole it, uh, about uh, moderating the Monero subreddits and the Monero ecosystem and how there are these pockets of centralization within these communities. You need to rely on sort of dictators in a way that decide the rules and implement them. And he spoke about how you know, as a dictator, ideally you should really listen to what the community and those in the area are saying and, and receive feedback from them in order to make the community better. And unfortunately, uh, there was a situation that yesterday, we're still sort of resolving all the details, um, but in the Monero mining subreddit, um, I was unfortunately immediately removed from the subreddit moderation team for an action that I took in the cryptocurrency subreddit. Um, upholding the rules there. And as a result, NeedMoney90 resigned from the subreddit's uh, moderation team. And uh, did M5M also resign NeedMoney? 
Um, he hasn't. He hasn't resigned okay. yet. Though. I mean, this is this is an ongoing discussion. I. So, the benevolent dictatorships are a necessary component of the communities that we have currently because there needs to be somebody who uh, is responsible from the perspective of a platform. You can't just leave the moderation to the masses, uh, say upvotes and downvotes because of things like illegal content. You, you always need somebody to point the finger at. Um, and while the Monero community uh, and our moderation team recognizes that that's the way that uh, we have to operate by necessity, that doesn't mean that uh, the moderation team has to act like dictators. And in fact, we, we do try to act like a flat democracy for the most part, unless it comes to things like tiebreakers or something that you just don't really talk to people about. Um, there's, there's a couple instances of uh, heavy handed things that you can do that are, that are considered fine. But for the most part, it, it comes, it comes down to a benevolent dictatorship. Um, and, and I, 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 want to, I want to stress, like, we have a similar structure um, for Monero, right, where, you know, Monero was originally launched as BitMonero under the dictator, thankful for today, who started it off and got it started. And he said, I want the project to go this way. And everyone else had said, no, we don't want the project to go that way. We're going to go this way. And we're going to entrust the Monero core team to be in that dictator role and because we feel that they're more benevolent. And the second they stop being more benevolent, we, we might have another fallout or whatever else might happen as a result. And I fear that that's what happened in the Monero mining subreddit recently, um, where, you know, with no warning, we sort of had a situation where someone just said, I'm making this action without talking with anybody about it. And I'm taking this action because I can. And that's how I feel. They, they, they most like that they've expressed that they feel that, that in their opinion, that's the proper action. But as a community, we sort of need to figure out if, if we'll see how this shakes out. We'll, we'll see how this shakes out. Um, I mean, the subreddit has a lot of momentum um, and perhaps uh, the subreddit moderator has played their cards right. And they did this at a point in time and they took an action that was not controversial enough to actually cause people to move over. Um, this is an ongoing process of consensus and I mean, the, the other segments of the community need to decide if his actions were egregious enough to actually warrant to move to another uh, another community area. So we'll we'll see what happens over the course of the next week or two. Yeah, um, in, in a sense, if I may just butt in here for just a second, in a sense that this kind of please. thing is, is healthy, in my opinion, it shows that we there there's a, a good amount of decentralization going on within the community. There's a good amount of decentralization of power because this guy is in charge of this thing and this guy's in charge of this thing. And even though there's some overlap, you know, uh, the there's a lot of people who kind of have ultimate power in certain areas and it shows that they can be their own people and they are not robbed of that. So when people say, okay, but you guys aren't decentralized, you know, there's things like this that we can point to and we can say that this stuff is um, <clears throat> not everybody. The, these, yeah. Yeah. these situations are indicative of the decentralization. They, they really highlight what's going on. If, if there was centralization, everybody would be able to just march to the same beat and do the same thing. Right. And so I just want to stress to people who are watching now that are in the Monero community, if um, like nothing has really changed yet with Monero mining, it's still the way it's been. It's only been a day. But um, we should keep an eye out 
out on it to make sure it doesn't turn into like a I'm worried that it might turn into a weird platform depending on how the moderation continues. I'm uh, I, I think that's certain something to certainly see. If it starts to become a, a platform for people to, you know, shill altcoin mining or something else, so non-monero mining, I think that that's something we should keep an eye on um, going forward because we'll have to see. Um, we'll have to see what the real agenda is of uh, you know the, the people who are involved in that platform. It could continue to be. It could ultimately be about the same and nothing really changes, or it could take a turn for the worse. So we'll have to see. At least that's what I'm concerned about. Okay, so are there any other, I know it's it's new, it just happened yesterday. If you go to the Monero mining server, you can see, you know, hundred some odd discussion going on there. But uh, I, I think that this is something we're gonna have to sort out in the next few months and We'll, we'll see what happens. I just wanted to make sure we got it out, you know, immediately after it happened. So, something of community interest and something that was really relevant to the type of talk that Need Money 90 gave at the Confranco because we're experiencing another example uh, firsthand. So I thought that was yeah. really interesting. History rhymes. Yeah. History does rhyme. I think it's generally a little bit weird just from my perspective. If you were moderating another subreddit like the bonsai subreddit and you banned somebody for posting something that was not in align alignment with the rules of that subreddit. Would it still be appropriate for you to be removed as a moderator from the Monero mining subreddit? That's not clear to me. Um, I mean, like we live in a censorship resistant community, or at least we try to choose to be in a censorship resistant community. But um, you know, since the cryptocurrency, the subreddit cryptocurrencies, has a different set of rules than the Monero mining subreddit. I'm just sort of, I, I don't want to like drag out the drama and just like sit around and gossip about this, but I'll be honest, I, I'm a little perplexed by what happened. All right, I got to go. There's a DEF CON meeting, so I'll catch you all later. Yep, thank you, oh, Diego. Yeah. There's meetings that everybody needs to go to. Yeah, everyone has other things to do. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining our uh, coffee chat today. See, us, see you again in about four weeks. Of course, if you want to see us in the meantime, you can see us in the Monero-Community IRC channel or on our Monero or our Monero community. So thanks, everyone, for joining us. I'm glad we were able to have a great debrief of the Confranco. Again, videos are available on the same channel that you're watching right now. So please, please take a look at those. They're absolutely worth your time. And I hear that Howard or HYC had a lovely intro to his talk. So you certainly should see that. Uh, but when, when you have a chance, because it was very, very, very fun. And I think it was great for the community. Thanks again, Brandon, for organizing this. And we will catch everyone at the next coffee chat. Take care. Thanks, everyone. Yeah.